Hi, my name is Dan Sanguinetti, and this is Film Rhapsody. When I first conceived this podcast at the start of the year, it was my intention to talk about my love and history with film. And through that, I would explore what it was to be happy and content in a world as hectic and crazy as ours. I'd speak to other filmmakers about their experiences. And together we come to discover our place in the grand scheme of things. I've worked in the industry for over 10 years. Most of that time spent running my own business, Sanguinetti Media. I've worked in every role you can think of behind the camera, including as a producer on four independent features. But now it's time to climb into the big chair. Soon, I'll begin work on my first feature as a director. It's a massive daunting undertaking that already feels bigger and scarier than my last four features as producer. I'm working alongside writer and producer Russell Lee, and it's his first feature too. And so, we thought what a better way to capture the filmmaking process and all the ups and downs that come with it by chronicling the whole damn thing on this podcast. We'll go through the whole process, from the conception of the story all the way to the evolution of the final shooting draft. We'll talk about every step of the production from the film's first shot to fingers crossed, the picture lock and release. And along the way, we'll meet other players that help bring the film to life from producer power couple Michael and April Watson to our amazing cast and crew, including some other special guests. So let's begin. This is Film Rhapsody Presents The Alice Chronicles. And I would like to welcome to the Film Rhapsody podcast studio, Russell Lee. I promise to be serious. Hey! <laughs> he uh, asked me to, to press that button. That button, not button number four. Yeah. Oh, you mean... No! Well, thanks for listening to the show, folks. Huh. So, <laughs> um, part of this podcast is we decided to buy some new equipment, and so we've been spending the afternoon pushing buttons and having a good time. Um. <laughs> so yeah, so that's really how we've prepared for this. So to start us off, Russell, let's let's talk about the script, Alice. What is it about? Not to give too much away, but what Alice is basically about is about a teenage girl who is looking into a best friend's death. There's a mystery surrounding it. Did she commit suicide? Was she murdered? And that's really the crux of the film. Yeah. To, to tell more would give too much away. But basically, the moment she starts looking into things, grisly stuff, stuff starts to happen. So I've known you now for, oh, well, it's almost over three years. Four. Well, there you go, we four We would years. have met in, I want to say May or June 2015. Okay. And, and I've known you so well that I'm going to read your bio. <laughs> Russell Lee was a finalist for the inaugural Accelerator Pod in 2015 with his first feature screenplay reunion. Russell worked closely for almost four years with the film distillery on the film's development. Russell made his short film debut in early 2019 with The Man in the Moon, which was our film, mm-hmm. which I'm very proud about. Mm-hmm. It won three awards at, li- at that year's Lights, Camera, Action, including the Audience Choice Award. The big one. And Russell has been working closely with Sanguinetti Media as a writer on their next feature film, Alice, as well as other projects coming up in the future. Which is kind of why we're here. Yeah. So, um, because, you know, that was really natural and, um, you know, it was like as if I know you really well Mm -hmm. and I didn't need to read a script to tell people who you are. 
<laughs> you actually wrote that too. So, um, and then that's the thing you you've actually become a key writer um, that has is collaborating with me. I mean, it really kind of came to light, obviously, with Alice and the way that you've put that script. But I think just briefly, let's talk about the Man in the Moon mm-hmm. um, as a short film. Um, we it was designed to be a lights camera action film. Um, it had a very specific uh, purpose because the theme was the moon landings of, mm-hmm. in 1969. We wanted to tell a story that really connected with that. Let's talk about the process, the writing process that got you through that. And we'll see how we can build the little journey of you and how you write. Okay, so we, we start off by discussing the idea. Yeah. Which was probably... See, we, we premiered on March 8th. We filmed the week beforehand. So the conversation was probably in January, I imagine. That's probably around the time they announced what the theme was. Mm-hmm. So we started talking. And the idea was to do something poignant. Mm. Something nice, sweet, wholesome, not sappy. But something that tugged on the heartstrings. Yeah. So what happened over the next few weeks was... We continued discussing. We threw around a few ideas. And pretty early on, probably that first day, I think it was, we came up with the idea of a family watching the moon landing and it revolving around that. Now, I sort of went off on a tangent, uh, came up with an idea that did touch on that but went a little away from sci-fi into fairytale land. Yeah. What was the reason we decided not to go in that direction? What, what, what brought us back to this idea? And I, I guess in some ways it, it was Masood um, mm-hmm. and, and um, yeah, so Masood Fajahani. He's got his own... Um, and he produced for us. And he was one of the producers mm-hmm. on, the, on the film. He had a very specific, I guess, criteria yeah. based on the spacefaring um I think it always community. needed to be sci-fi. Yeah, uh, I went a little off the off the bitten path with that, which yeah, you know, it's but part, I mean, part of the process. This is the thing: is Man in the Moon a sci-fi movie? I can't. I don't think it is, I, and that, I think that's what makes it so special. There's not really any sci-fi elements to it. Um, I think the script is purely a drama, a family drama. That, Maybe sci-fi imagination. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, there, there isn't a bit of an ending twist to it. Yeah. So basically, the idea was. Just that. And so I wrote a draft and handed it in. And that's when you and Masood took a look at it yep. and decided, okay, we like this stuff, this stuff, not so much. So we'll add our little flavor to it. And basically you took away the, the fairy tale stuff, put it more into the science area, and the two ideas sort of merged into, I guess, what it needed to be. So basically the movie is about a young boy coming to accept his father's death. He's told by his mother that his father is now living on the moon and can't come home. So when he builds a rocket ship with his cousin to go to the moon and rescue his father, it's through that that he realizes that it was his mother's way of saying that his father has died. So through that whole thing, he comes to accept death. So and the Man in the Moon became, I think, a really great collaboration between us as, as not just... Uh, producer, writer, writer, director, like, it, it, I mean, it was a way for us to understand how we work. And I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, without being too, too gushing and 
you know, offering compliments to you. I mean, what I enjoyed, <laughs> what I enjoyed about the process was that I had a particular vision as director mm -hmm. and you had a particular vision as writer. And I said, my vision is in this direction. Your vision was in the other direction. And yet you listened, you understood that there was a, a an end game that we're reaching for. Mm -hmm. And you were more than willing to work through the same themes and concepts, but move it towards the direction that we were hoping for. And that, and that's what the script was. And, and I think also from, from my point of view is that it was never a question of, this is my idea, Russell. This is how we're going to do it. It was a collaboration. It yeah. was, okay, here's why I think we should change this. And you listened to my response. And we found a, a way that it worked well for both of us. Yeah. And it came out very great. I'm very proud of the movie. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, it's one of my favorite movies as, as a director that I've had because the vision was clear. The vision was so clear to me. It was on the page in the script. Mm -hmm. and to, to be able to, and you know, and as a filmmaker that, you know, over my journey, I've spent so much time producing my own work. I've, I've, I've written my own scripts and then I've directed them. Mm -hmm. And when the, the, the big steps I've just learned as a, as a filmmaker is, and, and where I have grown in my career is actually taking other people's work and producing it to the, I guess, um, criteria or to the brief that they expect. Um, is that a strange step to, be, to go from writing your own stuff and directing your own stuff to directing someone else's? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's definitely something that is new and different. And I mean, and that, that's where the next step is as well, is as a producer who has produced other people's work mm -hmm. um, and then worked with the director, not necessarily always being the writer, but most, mostly being the writer. Most of them are, yeah. But now I am producing... Right, your script, yep. Alice, and then I'm directing it, and that's a whole new world for me. You know, I don't have many feature uh, producer credits, but enough to get the feeling of this is the process and the way to bring a film together. Here's mm -hmm. the here's all the necessary elements, and yep. um, here's the different things we need to make a film work. Now, as director, I've I've actually experiencing something I've never experienced before, where I'm 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 now got this producer side of me working with a writer that is not my material so has your own vision have your own way of wanting it to appear mm -hmm. and then me as a director having my own view and my own idea of how it's going to appear and it all sitting there and then there's the other producers and their point of view and and so it's just like there's so many different things that are coming together and and it's it's this new just totally new film experience that i haven't had before does it make it easier being the director to sort of be like i have the final say no and that's because i've always had the final say as producer and in the past i've been the, now you have three more producers i've got three more you. producers working but also as producer you you know you've got to also compromise with your creatives mm -hmm. um so yeah it's just a whole new experience for me at this stage and we're still quite like we're very close to moving pre to pre-production, mm -hmm. very close. I mean, I mean, financing is always the big question. I think we're going to be talking about a lot. We will over the next. I don't know how long this podcast is going to go. And considering how movies 
tend to go. We could be doing this podcast for years. Welcome to week 250. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we, in a way, I hope, you know, it's not a podcast that goes on for um, long. I mean, a a series of podcasts. Um, I hope... Yep. I hope Film Rhapsody continues into the future, into the next film project and all that sort of thing. But, you know, this Alice saga, this Alice Chronicles that we're really about to begin, it's, you know, this is the start. Um, and yes, we've been working on it for three years. Mm-hmm. Let's, um, let's rewind the clock a bit and let's go back to when we first met. And let's not get too wrapped up in the original creation of the story because I don't think that matters really because... I think the journey of Alice really mm-hmm. began when we crossed paths. Yeah. And I think I found um, I found something about the film somewhere on Facebook. I think it was in a group. Mm-hmm. There was some mention of it. And I think um, there was something coming from CIT regarding this film being made. And I thought it was really cool to hear that CIT were going off and trying to make a feature film. Um, it's not the first time they've done that. I believe they did a... Uh, musical stage show slash, I think it was like some American there were Australian projects that were somewhat completed. Yeah, but no, nothing was ever really completed. Completed. Yeah. Um, Alice was an attempt to make a feature using students as a crew, using the school as a location, but it not be an actual school project. Mm. Um, it was going to be something that was almost a final test, but also a graduation thing, because the idea was you, you can sign up and pay for any old film school, in this case through the Canberra Institute of Technology, COT, but how many film students can come out of film school with an actual feature credit? Yeah. So that was a very cool idea. It didn't go to plan. It um, sort of fell apart. But about a month or so after the fact, you reached out to me. We talked about it. Well, I, I think I think from my perspective, what what I was seeing was whether everything was going well. I think I think what because what matters to me is that projects are made. I mean, it's very easy to think that, um, you know, with the, the sort of the journey that I've gone on, that I'm I'm determined to produce every single film that's made in Canberra and. And region, um, and that's that's not the case. Uh, I'm actually more, um, I'm more keen to just help and support projects when you know that they get made and get finished, and mm-hmm. they get they get out there because the the best thing to happen for Canberra is that projects are made. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess there's another story to be told about where Canberra's film industry stands. Uh, it's a, it's probably a whole half hour discussion. Um, at least. At least, um, if not more. Um, but what what um, what mattered to me was that I heard about this, this feature project that was in development, that they were shooting soon, and I wanted to make sure things were going all right. And the feedback that I got from you was that it's not happening, mm. um, which I, I, I think I was, that's what disappointed me. Um, I, was like, I was I was sort of resigned to the fact that Alice was a, a script that I I probably it probably took me about three months to let it gestate, work it all out. When I did sit down and write it, it took two weeks. Yeah, and that was very cool. Like I had written a couple of scripts at that point, uh, done several revisions at that point of of some of those scripts, but to do it in two weeks was kind of like, oh, this is cool. I, I've I've I know what I'm doing now. I 
I'm not an amateur, you know, I'm still not a professional, but I'm, I'm getting there. I think, yeah, yeah, emerging is the term. Yeah. So to have it done in two weeks, for it to almost happen and not happen, I was kind of at the point of being like, well, okay, well, this is a cool writing experience. I feel better about myself as a writer. Nothing's going to happen of it. Okay, moving on. So I figured Alice was dead and buried at that point and didn't have much hope for it. Yeah. And then you reached out. Yeah, and so, I mean, uh, what, what I saw was a project that could be interesting to, to look into. So um, you send a draft of the script. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, here's, here's some, you know, reality of how I work. I, I didn't read the whole thing. I read enough until I felt satisfied that Russell can write. That was what I was looking for, was not necessary a script that was ready to be made. I remember you reaching out and being sort of blown away by the first sequence. Yeah, I was I was quite excited by the the concept and what it could be and how it could be. And I mean, it created a whole range of ideas in my head on how I could input into this. And so that's where some discussion, you know, I invited you to come and chat and... We did that, and I guess that's where things things sort of started and grew. I remember after our first chat that you sent me a message going, okay, I'm thinking about this all the time. It's on my mind all the time. I want to do this. I'm going to Cannes. Yeah. I want to take Alice to Cannes. Mm. And I just remember being like, that is, that is cool. My little idea is going to travel over to France. Yeah. And all the possibilities that could come from that. Um, and I think that's that's when you stop being, I like this, I'm not too sure I want to do it, oh, I want to do it, maybe, to I'm doing this. Yeah. And I think this is still before you had decided to direct. Yes. I, I mean, at that stage, I was just looking for the next project to produce. Yep. And I mean, I, I was also building a slate, and that's one of the things that, um, you know, filmmakers need to have, is needs to have multiple projects happening at the same time, because... Things happen and things don't happen. Yeah. Um, things slow down and things pick up. And so having multiple projects all happening kind of is, ensures that you've got something to work on because yeah. any opportunity can come along. So part of a- attending the, the, the Marche du Film in, in Cannes is, you know, is to basically show that you've got work upcoming. And if there's any interest in the project, that, you know, then, then there's potential of a a sales agreement or a, a, a representation, a distribution or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I've attended Khan a few times now um, and I tend to attend plenty more, but um, it's not, I've not yet made a deal yeah. uh, at Khan. It's always sort of resulted afterwards, at least with uh, the last film, me and my mates, um, we, we were able to um, sign something outside of the market. Uh, sort of event yep. um, so that is yes definitely something you know I aim for but it's definitely a good idea to just be there and yeah yeah that's right what you're doing. sharing a bit about the project at um, Khan with um, I guess a number of uh, international representatives sales representatives the interest that they had in the the, the genre the type of 80s style horror genre was, was there there were definitely some um, you know, like it, like was Alice. It, it, it's were a, we talking about Alice being an ace throwback at that point, or was that after? No, um, it may have been after, but I think after Khan, that's what I came and said that would work really well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where a lot of this, you know, this is where for me it was in Khan when when thinking of how was I going to sh- uh, 
or how I was going to market this film or how I was yeah. going to tell a sales agent this film, um, what this film's about. And I, I remember loving the idea of doing an 80s throwback because I'm, I'm, yeah. I was born in 78. I'm a child of the 80s. And it's, it's something we both love. We both love the 80s. We both love the 80s films, the 80s vibe. To do a film that was basically an homage to that period was very cool. Why did you want to be a writer? What, like, what, what was the thing that went, this is what makes me happy? I don't think I ever wanted to be a writer. I think I was just born a writer. Yeah. Like, I can remember watching stuff when I was a kid, probably six, seven, and just sort of watching shows and being almost like I was rewriting them in my head. And then by the time I was eight, I was telling my friends stories to entertain them. And I remember thinking, this feels right. It feels what I should be doing, but I never for, for a second thought I could write a film or a book. It just seems something that people in Canberra didn't do. And granted, this is... I was, eight, I was It was 1986. So we were probably a good 15, maybe even 20 years away from screen camera. Oh, yeah. Um, and, I mean, as a side story, decide if you want to keep it. Um, it was about that time when John DeMargariti, the... I guess, founder of Academy of Interactive Entertainment and the Canberra Technology Park and Film Plus. Where um, you're based. Where I'm based. It's about the time when he was trying to start the Canberra film industry. Yeah. And he got a lot of pushback and it was very challenging. And so that's when he moved into the game industry. Right. Which was late 80s when he started and it was in the 90s when he moved into the gaming industry. So yeah, it just, it just seemed like an unrealistic goal. Yeah. So for a time, I actually considered being a journalist. And that was kind of my goal, but I was always brought back to stories and always wanted to tell stories. Um, so by the time I was 17, I found out that Star Trek had a, an open door policy for scripts. You could submit two. Uh, they had to follow a certain set of guidelines, but a fan could write a script for Star Trek and had a chance of it getting made. And in the case of Ron D. Moore, um, who created the Battlestar Galactica remake, that was how he got in the door. That was how he was hired as a staff writer on Star Trek. And he went on to write dozens of episodes for Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. He basically created all the Cleon mythos before going on to his own stuff. So that was my goal when I was 17. I was like, okay, I've found out about this. I'm going to write an episode for Star Trek Voyager. I remember I found out about the open door policy through Star Trek Communicator, this fan club magazine that was around for a very short time in Australia, and they published two pages of a script. And that was all I had for probably a good three, four years at that point until Kevin Smith's dogma leaked on the internet. Hmm. So I had no idea what I was doing, but the, the desire was there. It, it's kind of just that desire you can't quite put a name on. It's just a part of you that just... It's the thing that makes you happy. When you are sitting down to write... What is the physical process that you go through? So, for example, when I write, I need to um, pace around the room for about 10 hours and then I drink 10 cups of coffee and then pack up and go home and not write at all. So, how, what, what is your process? What do you do when you need to write? It's started to change lately, but it used to be take the dog for a walk, make sure he's good for a bit, make a cup of tea, sit down, pick an album, put it on, and just start writing. Now, sometimes 
that's 10 pages in the day. Sometimes it's staring at the little blinking cursor for 10 hours. But it, it really revolves around music, sitting in a comfortable chair, and just sort of focusing on the story. Um, I have, in the past, written a couple of scripts that were just sort of in my head. Doesn't go well. I, I, I need to outline stuff. I need to to write a synopsis, a treatment, maybe even a scene-by-scene scene synopsis of what it's going to be. And I sort of have that as a guide. Um, doesn't mean I can't add stuff, change stuff as I'm going along, find better stuff to do. But having that as a guide and just sort of knocking off scene after scene that I need to in, in, in the story is the best way I find. What would you say is the reason behind us deciding to make this podcast about Alice and the process that we're going through to make um, the film happen? Well, there's two reasons, I think. First and foremost is promotion. Yeah. The more we talk about it, the more we get out there, the more excited people become. With all luck, whoever's listening right now will tell someone else, they'll share the podcast, and we'll get a bit of a groundswell. Yeah. You know, the story of how Blair Witch went from being this little film to promote it on the internet is legendary. Mm. I think every film that doesn't have a lot of money, that doesn't have Paramount and J.J. Abrams and all that stuff behind them, yeah, we've got to work. To have that. Yeah, we've got to work harder for it. Yeah. We've got to we've got to create from an early stage. The second reason, and probably the biggest reason, and also goes back to the first, is transparency. Yeah, there is a lot of bullshit in this industry, <laughs> and that's cool. A lot of my film studies in the past was from watching documentaries. Yeah, and you 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 hear it all the time. We're a big happy family. There's no problem. This is wonderful. Blah blah blah. Every now and then the curtain slips. Yeah. For every hundred, this is fantastic, we love this, there's no problems, you get something like a Christian Bale Terminator rant. Yeah. So the idea behind this is to basically pull the curtain back and be like, okay, we're going to take you into the process. You like movies as much as we do, you love watching them. We, love, gonna, we love making them. Yep. And we're going to give you a chance to see what it's like to make the, make the film too and be a part of it as well. And maybe you'll learn something as well. Yeah. I mean... I think as well, we'll learn something from this process. Yeah. I think we will take what we share as a way of sort of a therapy. I mean, and that's what Film Rhapsody is all about. It, it is meant to be about um, opening up and, and, and yeah. dealing with how it's, it's not easy what we do. Filmmaking is not this simple thing where you can just sit, switch on a camera and be brilliant at it. There is a lot of little elements that go together to make film work and so in a way this this will become our sounding board as much and 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 uh, let's be honest yeah this is therapy yeah this is therapy, this is therapy. We're, right? we're, gonna, we're gonna celebrate our victories and we're not gonna shy away from our screw-ups that's right all right russell thank you for joining us in the uh, film rhapsody podcast studio and uh we'll see each other um tomorrow i guess when we <laughs> keep working on the film um but yeah for same our... alice channel same alice time um yeah but for the rest of the uh listeners out there um you can catch another episode of film rhapsody hopefully very soon and don't forget to check us out online at www.sanguinettimedia.com.au um insert theme music dun, 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 dun. <laughs>